mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 39. I just got back from PAX, and it was awesome. I had a great time. It was so good to catch up with my friends from the Explosion Network, guys in 8-Bit, my friend Nato, a bunch of different people making different podcasts, and just people in that Australian gaming podcast network. I don't really consider this a gaming podcast, but there's definitely a lot of crossover. And for the purposes of PAX, I was there to talk to people in the games industry. So for people who don't know, the Penny Arcade Expo is probably the biggest gaming event in Australia. It's thousands and thousands of people. Heaps of unreleased games to play, both from the AAA and independent side of things. And one of those indie developers is our guest this week, Yosha Nushiwan from Shadow Play Studios. Josh is working on a game called Projection, which is a 2D platformer using some really cool light mechanics. You actually control the light, which makes shadows, and then those shadows become platforms you can jump on. It's really creative, really cool, and I think this game's going to go a long way. Or at least I hope so. So Yosha is the artist, the 2D and 3D animator. So it was really cool to talk to him just about the process of collaborating as part of an independent studio, working on the creative visual side of the game, what that involves, working with the programmers to create this game with just a team of four people and trying to bring that vision to life, basically in his spare time. They've also managed to get a publisher involved in terms of getting the game out there. So we talked about that side of things as well. Projection was one of the PAX Aussie Indie Showcase award winners. But before we get to the interview, I will read this week's review of the week coming from a guy called Dan McGeehan in New Zealand. He says, great podcast, really interesting interviewees, and you're not bad yourself. Smiley face. Keep putting in work here, Jono, and you'll go far. Much love, a fellow best friend. Thank you, Dan. I hope you're listening this week. And to everyone that is, I just want to remind you, I am going to be participating in Extra Life this weekend, charity fundraiser with my pals in the Explosion Network. We're doing 24 hours of video game streaming over at twitch.tv slash Explosion Network, raising money for the Sick Kids Foundation for Global Child Health over in Toronto. And it's a great cause. We've got a target of $1,000. We're halfway there already. So tune in November the 4th from 10 a.m. through till 10 a.m. the next day. Oh boy, it's going to be a lot of fun. And shout out to PAX Australia for the media access. I'm going to be bringing you some interviews from PAX for the next month. So here's Yosha. Thanks for joining me, Yosha. It's good to sit down. Yeah, my my feet are very happy. (laughs) Uh, So you've been running the booth all day, basically. Yeah, pretty and much. How's it been going for you? It's been it's been really good. People are uh, really keen hmm. playing projection. We've got some good feedback. We've only had one bug. One okay. bug happened. Uh, I'm really really impressed. It's good. So you're using people as kind of game testers today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we dress it up. We make sure it, you know it's still polished. It's yeah. still good. But okay. also, like, you don't get that many chances to have this many pe- this many fresh eyes on the game. Yeah, I played it for 20 minutes and I thought I found a couple of bugs, but one was I was pressing the wrong button because I'm used to a <laughs> PlayStation controller. I was pressing because uh, uh, you're on the Xbox. Controller, yeah, I was right? pressing yeah. the wrong X, you know. <laughs> Another one, I just didn't know that I could move the the white sideways instead of up and down. But yeah, it's a it's a cool game, and you must be pretty happy with uh, how it's come together so far. Yeah, no, it's it's been. Uh, about two years or so um, on and off in our spare time working on it yep. so yeah it's nice to see that it made it into the showcase mm. and uh, awesome. people are really enjoying it sure so let's uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the game but let's go back to the start and kind of go from your 
introduction into the games world. So you're the designer for this game. Is that your what's your title? I'm the I'm mainly the artist. Artist. Yeah. So all the all the characters, all the models, as well as the environments. Sure. Yeah. Were you doing a bit of art before you had an interest in games, or how did that kind of come together? Yeah. So I I generally was just been drawing since I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Lots of all sorts of stupid things, really. Yeah. Lots of lots of like. Trains, trains. <laughs> Lots of trains. I like trains and boats. But anyway, like um, it was that, and then eventually I decided to be to do a computer science and digital media degree at the University of New South Wales, and um, in the hope to get into games or animation mm-hmm. because I've been playing a lot of games up to that point, and sure. was pretty keen on uh, working on some. Okay, and how did you kind of? do that uh, transition from okay I can draw trains now I'm going to be doing some of this amazing art that's in projection where there's not only images that look cool but light that's playing like lights constantly moving and changing what we're seeing on the screen yeah, so I'm um, from from drawing lots of trains and, and boats and all that. It um, just a whole lot of practice in drawing in general, and then picking up uh, my first program that I did stuff digitally was Flash. Okay. So Flash animation, uh, that's just a program that you can well you can't really get easily anymore. But it was something that I used to start animating and moving like characters around and that's what got me into actually like from drawing individual frames to actually animating them and then you start finding techniques for how you can like cut them into different parts and animate that way mm. and then through my uni course that led me into 3D animation as well and yeah putting that all together you end up with like projection where you've got like 3D models and everything but I also did a computer science degree with my art like my uh, digital media. Okay. So that taught me a little bit of programming and etc. like that. And so I was able to play around with shaders and do some play around, like playing around in Unity, okay. which is what we're currently using to make projection. So how important is it to have that? I guess the computer engineering side of knowledge when you are coming to the art of a video game. It helps you make more optimized choices. Mm. So. There, there, there are a few things that you do have to keep in mind when you're making uh, a game because this because it needs to run on a computer and you need to make sure that what you're making will is efficient enough to be playing on like be played in a game. So I mean, if you're an artist, you'll generally just make things really large and you make things really heavy. So they'll be like you know what like something small ends up being like twenty megabytes where it really only needs to be like a fraction of that and those sorts of things help you optimize the game so that it doesn't like so the programmer doesn't have to work so hard to make it to make it run smoother okay and uh, how much is is uh, the process involved with working with a programmer like you've obviously got a vision from the creative side they've got a vision from maybe how the mechanics will work and how do you make sure those two things marry up so the first thing is um is prototyping so it's it's communication is is not an easy thing like we humans are inherently bad at communication um but one of the best things is, and this is where actually having a bit of a technical background as an artist helps, is if you're, especially with a game, if you can make a prototype, if you can make an example of what you want it to be, 
the programmer can look at that and go, oh, right, I can, I can see how you want this to play like. I can just refine that for you. So that's when they bring in their knowledge to like further refine the like the rough that you've made. Sure. And uh, specifically with projection, what was the approach you took to the style? Is it something that you've worked on before? Or did you have to kind of because it's got a very stylized look? It's like uh, I thought someone mentioned there's like an Indonesian aspect to it. Like, yeah. is it something you had to learn to, to create? Yeah. So uh, in terms of is a lot of research because the game was going to involve uh, Indonesian shadow puppets as well as uh, Turkish, Chinese, and some Victorian era art style. Right. So we had so to it's do like historically accurate. Yeah, so we had to do a lot of research. Had to actually go to a library. Oh, haven't been to one of those for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to actually re- like get information on how these looked, what they meant, and yeah, especially with the Indonesian shadow puppets there's a lot of detail in the patterns so you have to do quite a bit of research to make sure you get some of those details right because you can fake it but honestly people who kind of know will know it's fake but if you do a pretty decent job people go hey that's that's the Indonesian shadow puppets and how much of the game's uh, design was influenced by other games versus what you were able to just come up with from your own brain so Chewy, who's the designer, he was the one that sort of came up with the mechanics, which were basically, uh, he was just playing with the light in his uh, living room and saw the shadows that he was casting and thought that was really cool. And so he made a prototype. And when he showed that to me, I thought of Shadow Puppet. So most of it is pretty heavily based on like the original concept that we came up with. But lots of uh, efficiencies or style choices cut wool inspired by a game such as like Limbo which is one of the key things that little people came yeah. through but also a lot of uh, so there's this German shadow puppet artist called Lottie Reiniger she made a lot of um, sort of stop motion shadow puppet animations in like I think the 1940s or something sure. and yeah so there was a lot of reference from outside of games too that we were pulling from and yeah, it sort of helped build the overall feel and visual look. And so you pretty much had to become like an expert on shadow puppets to, to put this game. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of research, lots of uh, knowing really weird, intricate details, including the fact that um, there were like colors on some shadow puppets, which you don't see because they're right. shadow puppets, but they are there. It's like, oh, okay. Well, lots of lots of random facts. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of the art side, I'm guessing that when you first got into art, it was hand drawing or it was pencils or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, what was it like applying those skills to, I'm guessing, what is it more of a digital um, format? It, it took a bit of a transition. So, um, yeah, as, as most people, we start off on, on pencils and drawing on paper. And then it came to getting that on a computer and this is back when I was like much younger trying to draw the same like drawing over those lines with a mouse was was an idiotic thing to do but I had fun yeah so trying to draw over these uh, illustrations with a mouse which made them look kind of horrible but had their own charm and then got um, saved up for a tablet so with a Wacom pen and that definitely helped me able to like draw directly onto a computer and then 
yeah, so I got to refine my skills digitally, and then with 3D animation, it, you're sort of sort of moving points in a 3D space to create like shape instead. Mm. So. Yeah, the, the prior knowledge helped with each step closer. And are those pretty considerable investments when you're not in the games industry, when you're just on the outside, when you're just kind of teaching yourself and still learning? Uh, not not at all, actually. So in terms of, like, especially with making games, yeah. ju- just making games, Game Maker is free, Unity is free. There are programs that you can download and actually use right now, and there are lots of resources on YouTube that can teach you how to make an FPS in probably, like, a few hours. Wow. So, I mean, it won't be the the best <laughs> FPS, but you'll actually, you'll actually see certain things that you can do, like... Uh, for any of those FPS players out there you can make an FPS game where you look down and see your own feet like you can do that it's actually not that hard to do there are reasons why games don't do it but like you, you can you learn a lot more about games and you'll get a better appreciation of it and in terms of art the drawing stuff isn't actually too expensive either unless you do want to get a tablet then you might be looking at something like or a really cheap one could be like a hundred dollars uh, a really quality one might set you back a bit more. Sure. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something you can just do. In That's great. It's so accessible, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why I'm able to make it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I suppose if, if there's not a financial uh, investment, there's certainly a huge time investment in learning these things. Yeah, there's, it's, it's got to be one or the other in yeah. the end. Time is money. So how do you uh, look at it from from the starting line thinking, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm going to make a game, and then I'm going to hope that we can market it and sell it and actually have it be all worthwhile. Like, is it, is it daunting? It must be very daunting. Oh, it, it's definitely. It's bit like... Because most of us don't even, when you're starting out, don't even think about the fact that you need to market the game afterwards. Most of you just go, we'll make the game, we've made the game. And then you realise, oh, it needs to make money. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to sell it. It, I mean, it depends on what you care about like some people will just want to make a game because they can and then marketing doesn't really become a problem but yeah there there is a big breadth of things you need to learn and the key thing I guess is you need to care about what, what it is if you ultimately don't feel it then it's probably not for you like yeah because making games is a huge huge amount of work and if you're not interested or not really feeling the process of actually making a game then I don't think making game is actually what you want to be doing. Sure. Like, you might just be really interested in, in it, but it might not be what you're into. So how do you balance this? Uh, like, it sounds like you've done a lot of this in your spare time. Yeah. And so, like, from talking to Michael before in the demo, he's worked in different jobs so that he could pay people to come on yeah. and join the project. So that's a huge commitment of not just time and, and resources uh, so how do you balance that when it's just a you know it's a hobby because it's not making you any money at the at the time that you're working on it yeah so it's 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 really just trying to get into a routine sometimes I generally what I do is I try to dedicate a, an hour each afternoon to working on like the game mm. And, you know, if I'm feeling it, I'll actually just keep working on it. And sometimes I'm awake until one. But other times, you know, not feeling it, I'll just do it for an hour and then just go play something. And, yeah, it's all about just keeping momentum. Because as soon as you stop, 
Like, I think a lot of us relate to, like, just going to the gym and how we get the membership and then don't go to gym at all. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. Maybe I should get back onto gym. And then you, you kind of do it. And then if you keep it up, it works. But if you just and then go, uh, maybe I'll skip today. And then soon it'll be skip again, skip again. So keeping momentum is important. And that's a lot easier when you have a team, which I guess is why people have gym buddies, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, this is all what my friends tell me about Jim. Yeah, it's, it's very hypothetical <laughs> yeah. discussion about I believe that's how humans work. <laughs> I've been told that that's uh, the way humans operate. <laughs> yes. So, in that regard, it must be, now that you're in this stage where the game's getting played by people, uh, you've got a publisher involved. Yeah. What, what's what Blowfish. Blowfish, that's it. Uh, it must be really exciting to see that it's not just you've made a game, but it's actually going to reach an audience. Yeah, it's it's surreal because the the weird things with with games and making them is that you spend you spend a lot of time in in your room, like yeah. working on this, you know, and like yeah. you don't you don't have that much time putting it in front of people because usually a you're working on it or b like people are busy, so. Um, to be able to have a whole bunch of fresh eyes actually play the game and care about the game too, like actually enjoy it, kind of really helps remind you sometimes that, hey, you're actually making a cool thing. Because it's really easy to just lose sight of the big picture and go, oh, this bug, oh, that bug, oh, this thing needs to be done. Yeah. You look at all the post-it notes on your wall and you go, man, I've got so much to do, which I still have a lot to do. But it, it's refreshing to remember that like the product so far is actually really enjoyable and people are having fun with it and you might not have had as much to do with it but in terms of getting the publisher and getting all these small things you probably don't think about like making sure the game works on different platforms and getting them onto the PlayStation store onto the Nintendo store like how important is that to the game's success and where do you actually see the game going because of your relationship with Blowfish to be able to do that? It's really hard to really easily quantify this because um, a lot of us don't know what we're doing. But in terms of having a publisher on board, it means someone with experience because they've released a few games, they, they can help. Because if you're a full indie, like you're just a person who's decided to make a game and let's say you, you've now finished set game, getting it in front of Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo is not easy. Like, it, 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 you can do it. Anyone can do it. But it takes quite a... Like, because you have to build a relationship. Yeah. And that takes time. And it, it's... Indies can't do it. Indies... Some can, some can't. Yeah. Like, some get lucky, some don't. Some of us, or a lot of us, really want to just make the game. Because... You can't really afford to make the game and then do three, four months of building relationships with Sony and Microsoft, Nintendo, as well as market it to everyone as well. Yeah. And so you have to do it at the same time. And so some indies managed to do it. So with Inflatality, we had to we were doing it ourselves. But with Projection, we were lucky to get Blowfish on board because they, they saw the game and went, this game's really cool. We have we have faith in it. We'll publish it for you, and so they can help out. They generally do most of the the PR, the marketing, the getting it onto platforms because they've already released games. They've already done the hard yards of yeah. being friends with all, all the platforms. Yeah. 
buy them drinks. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm doing it wrong because I'm trying to buy drinks. I don't know. But so they've done the hard yards. They can just go, yeah, sure. We we can put this onto the platform you want. It's great. And we go, yes, please. Yeah. And I mean, when there's four people, there must be so many things that you have to do that you may have overlooked going into it, right? Yeah. So. The, the key thing we do when when having multiple people on a project is making sure what you're doing is quite defined so that way you know you take care of this area mm. that way I don't accidentally step on your toes sure. and so you oh, don't wow. get prob- yeah you don't get problems where someone goes oh I thought you were going to do that so I didn't do it in that case it's just all about if there's any questions you just ask whether something is meant to be this way or isn't and then we can just address that straight away yeah I think the thing with a lot of indie games that makes them work or stand out is having a visual style that uh, that does stand out because there's things you can't do you can't look like a AAA game you can't look like Horizon or Detroit becoming we, we could <laughs> if we if we had that time right like if we wanted to spend 10 years making the game exactly even then there are games like Cave Story which took years like 10 years or something or maybe not that long but we we don't have the time or the resources to well we do but i don't really want to make a game for 20 years because otherwise we probably end up in duke nukem territory and keep going oh there's a new engine oh yeah let's switch to that one oh let's add some like it'll it'll i see indie games as kind of it's kind of like the punk rock of gaming where it's like the necessity of just like not having the manpower to create a game means that it's a bit more raw, but at that same time, it gives it a flavor that makes it more interesting to a lot of people. Yeah, it's sort of like our own flavor to it because we can't, we don't have the huge amounts of people, but we also don't have investors telling us what the market's yeah. into. There's no record company slash games yeah. company. Yeah, we, we don't have as many, like, you know, overbearing people telling us what to do. We can just go, hey, I feel like making this really weird game about pigeons or something. Yeah. And then, hey, let's make that a dating game. You know, like, <laughs> and then have a full boyfriend. It, yeah. It's, it's, we can, we can take risks, especially if you're the kind of indie who's working full time already mm. on something like a, just a normal job. Your game doesn't need to make bank. You don't need to die. <laughs> but then you hear stories of how people who, who really put faith in their games, they really do put everything on the line. Like those are really scary, and I personally wouldn't do it. Mm. But, yeah, it, it's just we do what we can with what we have. And I guess that kind of gives it a more authentic or homemade feel. Sure. What would you say has been the hardest part of building this game together with a group of four people and your role? It, it would definitely be the lack of time yeah <laughs> yeah like so you it, set it, out with a deadline at the start of this it wasn't just like we'll see how long it takes yeah it was see how long it takes for a bit and then we got a publisher okay <laughs> and then it's just like okay we should definitely like you know we have a publisher now and by virtue of a publisher they need they need people they, they need dates yeah they need they need dates to say hey are you planning to launch now so it's like ah oh, okay yeah we probably better have some of those so yeah that's it also helped us maybe like push the game along a bit because you when you say we'll see how long it takes sometimes you lose momentum yeah but having having a bit of a date a deadline that we put down helps helps you just move it forward probably forces you to think about the ways that you can get it done quicker yeah you, you stop you stop doing weird fancy things and go we'll do 
we'll, we'll cut corners in the right places. Yes, that's good. And what would be your advice to anyone, whether they're an artist or just someone that wants to get involved in indie game development, about how to actually make this happen? Uh, download Unity, download Game Maker, and make some games. Like that is that is obviously hone your craft. So if you're an artist, practice your art. If you're a programmer, practice programming. But also make some games. Like even even just a dodgy little thing. I remember my first game was like just a first person shooter except we added a little twist to it so instead of clicking to shoot you yelled into a microphone <laughs> and the game was set in a high school and you were yelling at bullies but like you know you can there are lots of there are lots of tutorials out there that can teach you how to make one of you know a lot of the the typical genres we see and then you know halfway through making that you might get bored and maybe just play around and suddenly find that you can do something else like making people scream to shoot instead of actually like clicking yeah so yeah make games okay that's cool and it seems like that's the way it always seems to happen like I've watched the indie game movie I've seen the story behind Super Meat Boy and you know those guys started with flash weird flash games online in browsers and just crazy ideas and eventually Super Meat Boy comes out which is one of the coolest indie games of all time yeah it's just um the, like as a consumer, there's a sense of a curtain, right? Like you've got browser games and you've got like the random crappy things you can make at home, right? And then there seems to be this weird curtain, and then all of a sudden you've got Call of Duty, you know. In, and in fact, that the stuff that we actually consider not part of that is that curtain. So your browser games, your flash games, your weird Facebook games, like mobile stuff. mobile stuff, like things that you might not consider as anything, they're stepping stones to Call of Duty, to Halo or whatever, to yeah. the big stuff. I mean, you might not necessarily get there. You might not even want to be there. But like in the process of getting there or going around there, you'll find something that you might enjoy that way. So the important part is just do. The last question for you, actually. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Make my games. <laughs> you got some ideas? Uh, yeah, I've got some really, really dumb ones that I like to play with. Yeah. And what's stopping you from doing that? Uh, I'm currently working on two. <laughs> what's the other one? Um, Inflatality. That's the other dumb game of that. So I've got, I've got a dumb game for silly things like Inflatality which is just wavy tube men fighting and then I've got a more thoughtful game for projection sure so we'll just uh, we'll be working on indie games you're not interested in signing up with a big studio at any point well, we'll, we'll become the big studio <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you could make any game you know you won't fail any budget what would be the thing you'd be most interested in working on uh projection actually like yeah. I, I really want that game to work out that's great like the fact that you're doing what you would do if you could do anything yeah. already yeah I, I'm sure once it's done it'll be like I've got to find something else now yeah that's good awesome well thanks for hanging out and, and sharing the game with us and hopefully it goes really well I think that you know it's hard to predict what's going to be successful you know that as a yeah but oh I think if like, I knew how to do it I think that like just from playing this game for 20 minutes it's it's as good as any, you know, a, a lot of platformer games with the stylized design. So I think that it could do really well. Hopefully, it falls in the right people's laps and gets yeah. the right let's plays. And just gotta, you know, just gotta get it out there and just get it to PewDiePie or someone. Yeah, 
I'm not sure if. Well, I don't. I don't know if he doesn't scream as much when he plays his games anymore, does he? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I haven't. I haven't watched him for a while. I've been too busy developing. Yeah. Man. Like I barely get to play games now. <laughs> I can see people getting some some frustration with the uh, with the light mechanic. Yeah, it yeah. We're refining it. We're refining. I mean, it. it's good. It's it's. You don't want it to be too easy. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's the right level of like once you've got it, once you figure it out, you feel like you're smart. So nice. I think that's what you want. Really. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's important. I like making people feel smart. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can check out Yosha on Twitter at Hozar. We'll spell that H-O-Z-Z-A-H. Check out his game projection. It's at shadowplaystudios.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jono himself. Until next week, keep putting in work.